0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, December nineteenth, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. This much is at least predictable. Bank regulators will not be able to predict the consequences of their regulations. Louise Bennett is Associate Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute. She argues that new proposed bank regulations in the U.S. and the U.K. threaten global growth. We spoke last week.
1: So I recently uh, wrote a proposal uh, or a policy analysis with um, Arthur Long of uh, Gibson Dunn, and what we looked at uh, was two recent proposals, one by the United States' uh, Federal Reserve, um, which looks at foreign banking organizations operating in the United States. And um, and, it, and it's, it's an interesting proposal because it changes basically um, 100 years of precedence. So traditionally, foreign banks have been given a lot of flexibility in how they structure their U.S. operations. And um, this proposal, is different because now what it requires is that a large foreign bank um, organizes its U.S. subsidiary operations, and that can be branches and various other, under a U.S. holding company structure. That's relevant because what it means is that that holding company is going to have to meet all of the U.S.'s re- in internal requirements, so Basel III requirements, capital, other requirements, leverage ratios, and as well as any other requirements under Dodd Frank that it may that it that may be relevant. Um, that may mean, of course, well, of course, that entity has a foreign parent that is subject to a number of capital requirements in its own country, likely. Um, and so and so that creates a duplication in costs and what it also means is that the entity becomes very much more domestic focused rather than 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 international focused the second part of the proposal what we looked at um, the UK's ring fencing um, initiative where that's a little different that focuses on UK uh, domiciled banks and it separates the retail functions from the investment or Wholesale banking functions, and it requires that the retail component be sort of individually capitalised and so on. We think that these two proposals actually share quite a number of common um, both concerns and I think um, it, the the impetus is the same. Uh, both of both of them the proposals l- uh, suggest that the real co- co- um, concern is not necessarily the activities or or the uh, or, or the risk profile or so on of the banks the real concern is the structure of the banks and that somehow if you have this mandatory reshuffling of of organizational structure you're going to end up in a safer position and we would question that for for a variety of reasons but the second issue is that um is that it it, it really looks at the national level. It's really looking at protecting individual countries rather than looking at you know financial stability as a whole and as we've seen over the last 30 years we've developed into a situation where capital flows flow you know capital flows across borders and 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 our great concern with that is obviously it's led to you know huge rises in living standards in large parts of the world it's very important in 2008 we can all agree um, that you know this crisis would have been a lot worse had banks not been able to send capital to you know to the jurisdictions where it, where it needed to go, um, you saw instances like Mitsubishi stepping in and giving you know giving money to 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 banks here or, or, or investing in banks here. So those kinds of things disappear in a market that's nationalized. And the term that's often used, and it's sort of a parallel with the 1930s and the trade wars of the 1930s is balkanization. Everybody, you know, regulators all start looking inward at how they protect the domestic market. But sometimes that loses focus as to what might happen on the long term. Now, the point we've made in the the policy analysis is that in fact, you're undermining stability in the long term. And the reason you're undermining stability in the long term is because banks will then, instead of operating across borders, they retreat to their home markets um, you run you run the risk, for example, in the United States of having of spurring retaliatory actions elsewhere in the world And we've already seen that the uh, EU commissioner Michelle Bonnier Came out and said that, you know, if the if the Fed goes ahead with their proposal He expects many European countries to retaliate against US organizations and require for example full Subsidiarization so basically that would require a JP Morgan or a Citibank to have a full a freestanding branch in um, in that in those countries, and and that's not necessarily an ideal situation, especially in a crisis, because it it really makes it difficult for banks to send capital and liquidity to where it needs to go, um, and so and so that's a problem. It can it can hasten a crisis. We also have have argued in the paper if you look at situations, uh, you know, this sort of suggests that regulators expect some parts of banks to be saved and others to be let go. But that's not really how it works in the real world, because what you see, for example, is when you have a crisis, even if you say protect depositors, where a bank's share price drops radically. So, for example, in, in 2008, in the United States, where we really have full protection of depositors up to a certain level, banks that were in trouble or looked like they may be in trouble, the WAMUs, the Wachovias, the Citibank, banks saw massive depletion of their um, of their of their of their deposit reserves when their share price dropped even though those depositors were nominally protected and so this idea that you can allow an investment bank to go you can see a, dr- a massive drop in the group share price and then you know save the retail component I don't think that that you know that really is likely to be the path that regulators would would take in an you know in a crisis situation so we would argue that this is largely a very expensive and inefficient sh- you know reshuffling of of uh, entities that may not or is likely to not um achieve its 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 purpose it's also extremely expensive um, many uh, you know organizational structures have developed because of tax considerations because of regulatory incentives and so to expect banks to you know restructure in a way that is not necessarily efficient um, while also imposing all of these capital and liquidity requirements seems to be you know fighting to to, to wars and and may result in you know in a contraction of credit
0: so um, uh, for companies that, like Citibank or another company that uh, may be, might otherwise be a takeover target for a, a company that has a lot of assets, a lot of uh, uh, quality assets, does that make it less likely for a foreknown bank to sort of uh, swoop in and save the day?
1: It would, you know, when a when a foreign bank, uh, you know, comes in, if if they they could approach it in two ways. Obviously, if they're if they're buying a very very large U.S. bank, they would expect to be subject to all the U.S. requirements and you know and U.S. regulatory uh, constraints. The issues I think is is mostly for for foreign banks wanting to buy, for example, smaller security operations or portions of. You know an existing uh, an existing bank, um, but to your point, I think one of the big issues is that you will see an increase an increase in concentration in the market because you have to remember that the largest US players don't really compete with smaller players in the they do in certain markets but 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 it's limited. They're really competing internationally. And so if you close off your market what you're doing is you're making banks more less diversified, more geographically concentrated and more dependent on their home markets, which means that crises may not spread across the world, but they're more likely to occur in the Domestic jurisdiction more frequently.
0: So, if, think about, if we think about this in terms of a standard company that might exist in the United States. Companies get into different businesses over time. They evolve, they change. They decide there's an opportunity over here. That's right. They dip their toe in it, then they expand operations into that into that realm. That kind of thing uh, will be harder, right?
1: Well, it will be harder, and certainly you know if you look not even at the non banking um, non banking sectors you know, it's going, a lot of people go to a, to a Barclays or a JP Morgan because they have this ability to move funds cross-border. You know, if you need a $5 billion bridge loan and you're a very large company, you can go to those banks. That is a lot harder in a balkanized structure. So even if you're, you have Citibank in 20 different jurisdictions, if it's hard for them to move capital across borders and it's hard, you know, for them to service clients and, and in a consistent way. That increases the costs for people to do cross-border transactions, um, and, and it obviously decreases the, decreases the capital that can flow across borders in, in, in a crisis.
0: Louise Bennett is Associate Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute. You can get her new paper, The New Autarchy, How U.S. and U.K. Domestic and Foreign Banking Proposals Threaten Global Growth, at Cato.org.